Hey everyone, welcome to Expansion Cast. Expansion Cast is a magical podcast I created so people could find simple or unconventional solutions to expand their personal awareness and experience. This podcast is dedicated towards revealing people's divine truth and how that divine truth works its way out into the world, one by one, helping liberate each of us on our personal path to freedom. If you love this podcast, please give us a rating and share. Hey everyone, Roger here. Welcome back to Expansion Cast. Today on this episode, I have Eduardo Drake. Eduardo is a very heart-centered human who I find has a huge passionate desire to help people reconnect. Actually, he has a desire to help people connect, to stay in that place of presence with another. How are you doing, Eduardo? Fantastic. It's a good day to be alive. So, Eduardo, welcome. Welcome to Expansion Cast. Um, we, we met at an eye-gazing eye experience um, where you were hosting one of the events during the day. That was, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of used to doing events like that where they're fairly intimate, and uh, you had a different... Uh, presence with you. You brought some grace to the room and it was nice to see. Um, so welcome. Welcome to Expansion Cast. Yeah, I'm excited to be here and, and thank you for uh, for speaking of my presence. I don't get many people that actually give me a, a reflection of that. So it's, uh, I, I find my curiosity gets really peaked. Back. But what, what, what's that like? Because we don't experience ourselves, right? Yeah. Yeah, which, I mean, brings up my first question, Eduardo, is, like, who are you? And, you know, when when I ask who are you, it's not the mental who are you. It's not the label that you give yourself. It's the what comes out of you and when what's a, what's elicited when I ask who are you? What was the body say? Yeah, the first thing that comes up as you say that is I'm reminded that when I was, uh, I grew up in the Deep South in Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi. Um, but particularly in Alabama, when I started school, I remember kids would come up to me because my parents, my father was black and my mother, uh, uh, Latina from, uh, El Salvador, where I was born. And people, the little kids with little black children would come up to me and want to touch my hair. And they asked me, well, what are you? Wanting to know if I was white or black. Cause those were the two paradigms that were dominant. And I would, Eventually, I grew irritated, and I would say I'm human. And I think that that is sort of a defining thing about how I view myself in the world and, and, and attempt to relate to other people. So uh, I deeply believe in that the interconnectedness of, uh, of us all and everything and have been looking for ways to express that in my life. I guess the times I've felt the most pain is when that humanity has not been uh, uh, apparent to me. Yeah, so like I think exploring what you do, and I guess it does reflect that desire, um, I see some of the stuff you you have a, a Facebook page called Heart Feast, and then I also see you have um, something called the Oneness Company where you have connector size events by the looks of it. Can you, how, how did this all come about? And I guess, what is it really doing for us? How, how's your desire playing out here? Yes. Um, I really believe in, I believe that my own driving contingent on feeling a, experiencing a deep sense of connection. Uh, that's my clearest way of saying it now. When ex-wife, uh, when we were married, came to me and said that she wasn't happy and that she uh, wasn't attracted to me and that she never had been. And I just, like, uh, crushed <laughs> that. But, yeah, so my journey really started in earnest then when I realized, and I realized that I didn't know anything about 
relationship, uh, connection. Connection wasn't even a term in my vocabulary except for in terms of electrical connections. Um, you know, I studied electrical engineering in college. But anyway, I got earnest in terms of being a student and becoming a, a student of connection and relationship and, you know, going to some workshops out in the West Coast. Uh, I've lived in Minneapolis now and uh, went on the West Coast to some workshops that really rocked my world. And, and uh, Authentic Man program was the one I went to really uh, revealed to me that there was so, that there was a, I felt like that I had been going to a restaurant my entire life, ordering from the menu. At that workshop, I discovered there was a backside menu and never turned it over and realized there was a whole menu of opportunities that I had been missing out on. Um, and, uh, realize that, wow, I'm really hungry for this stuff. <laughs> this looks really juicy and, um, and really got into uh, paying a lot more attention to the relationship, becoming more mindful about it, really uh, digging deep, wanting a deeper experience of humanity that I had there. Um, and uh, I tell people I got really greedy, uh, really greedy for life, really hungry for connection, and I ended up taking a couple more workshops out there and signing up for a year-long course and learned this practice called sparkling, which was used in the workshop. Um, it wasn't a feature, uh, selling feature of the workshop. It was a tool they used, but it rocked my world and showed me what was possible between humans that I had not experienced in any kind of a consistent, uh, probably not ever, you know, beyond infancy. What was it called? It was called Authentic Man Program, mm -hmm. um, and uh, it really it talked about the inner game of men relating men and women relating to each other, and which was really what I learned was that how we are anywhere is how we are everywhere, and so even though I had had quote unquote some success with women prior to being married and, and getting married and feeling like that I was competent in that area, I realized that, whoa, there's so much more to be experienced. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it really got, really got uh, turned on to what connecting could be and had some grounding, some really some strong anchor points in my body about what it felt like. And I knew that I wanted more of it. So I went out there to learn more about it and was forever changed by that experience. Uh, and ultimately, I had so many beautiful, amazing experiences, um, and I became more aware of how other people were really suffering. Like It's like uh, I can imagine like if someone learns a new religion or something, they get super evangelical about it, and they want to convince everybody this is the thing that you need to do to save your life, right? You become paleo or whatever it is you learn that so transformative in your own life, you want to, you start to want to speak it. I went through a little spell like that, uh, but quickly I realized that that wasn't the way to do it. Uh, but still, with seeing people suffering and wanting to do something about it, and starting, and then eventually a couple, probably a couple, two, three years ago, I started seeing uh, articles about loneliness. There's much more press about the epidemic of loneliness in uh, in in America. And also uh, in Western culture generally, um, those were, were studies of being done. And I realized that what I had learned, that I felt like I, no one was trying to scale it up to a way that was was um, accessible to everyone. And I felt like that was a travesty. I felt like I spent $2,500 plus uh, airfare, and time off work to go to this workshop to learn a few, ultimately will turn out to be a few simple things that make the biggest difference in how I connected. But everyone else that was in this area was teaching a very complex, you got to come to a year long course and they were teaching. I felt it was way more fundamental than that and started really deeply thinking about what was, what made the difference. And I'm a big believer big believer in the 80-20 rule, which is, you know, 20%, and in this context, 20% of the knowledge around 
connection and relationship drives 80% of the results. Uh, I encourage anyone who's listening to check out the 80-20 rule and look for all the ways that can be applied. There's actually a book in the title of the 80-20 principle that speaks of this in a powerful way. Uh, but I thought, okay, what would be the 20% of the things that I learned that throws 80% in the value? And it was these fundamental exercises that we practiced at the Heart Feast where we first met, uh, the noticing game, where actually sharing your present moment experience with someone uh, in connection with them was such a fundamental thing. And it really ultimately about the language. And I got, I got super excited about that because it showed me an entire new possibility because I realized, oh, wow, language is our tool for distributing culture. And <laughs> then I thought, okay, this is the tool. If, so my dream ultimately is that that we embed deeper language of connection into everyday life and that children are going to, when they're born, are going to learn words like um, ma, dada, and then speak noticing, I'm noticing, and start sharing their present moment experience because that language is so powerful. Uh, so I got excited. I thought this is a tool that's not being... Uh, promulgated and how can I be a facilitator in proliferating this language uh, through our culture so that it becomes every day so that was the kind of the connector side yeah that's great and, and it was a great exercise to participate in do you think that um, it's always advisable to share that space do you think that that level of intimacy that level of openness is is someplace we should always be with anybody unconditionally? That's a great question. My, my gut reaction is, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because I think that that's, that's the most powerful place that we can be in human, as humans. Being in the... Because I think, it, as I say that, I tend to think out loud, so sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say. Uh, but my reaction is, yes, test, hell yeah. And sometimes maybe we're not going to speak those words verbally out into the world, but we can speak them internally that will ground us and allow us to interact in a way that's, uh, that's likely to be more effective in achieving whatever you want to achieve in relating with someone. Um, an analogy that I often use and that I've used over the last six months since I discovered it was that uh, I thought I'll just tell you the brief story of how it came to me. I was having a, a very intense discussion with my uh, with my lover Mary Jane, and I um, noticed on her on her kitchen counter she had a toaster next to the sink, and the toaster was unplugged. And in that moment, the question came to me: Is it a toaster? when it's unplugged? And the, the, the clear answer was, no, it's not. It cannot do what a toaster is meant to do when it's not energized, when it doesn't, when it doesn't have that. And I thought, we are that, that way as humans. When we plug into each other, we fundamentally become another entity with different capabilities. Um, and so I think the answer is yes, that it's probably the wisest thing we can do is to connect with another human in as deep a human way as we can in any moment, because we're both going to be better off for it. So here you are, you've experienced uh, a side of the menu that you didn't know existed. I mean, that's, that's kind of how it works, right? All of a sudden we, we fall into something that we just never knew. I mean, how do we how do we know what we don't know? And yes. now you are. I mean, I think you're employed as an IT person. That's how you make most no, of your I'm, money. I'm a patent lawyer. Uh, oh, oh, oh. So you're, that's my. That's how I spend ninety percent of my time uh, working with entrepreneurs with their with their inventions and, uh, and products and such. So you're working with entrepreneurs with their inventions and stuff. Were you doing this before you started learning this style of communication? 
Totally, yeah. I, I've been a patent lawyer for 25 years. Dude, how did that really change your interaction with these people? Um, you know, that's very interesting. Um, in some ways, it didn't change my interaction. Um, in some ways, it did. I mean, because I've always been really engaged with people, uh, even though I even see myself as a people person. Um, and I ask a lot of questions. I'm super curious. I'm a learner. So, I mean, that's one reason that I led me into patent law because you're learning about new things, uh, by definition. Um, so, uh, I'm probably a little bit bolder and I'm a little more, I'm more definitely more self-aware. Um, and I'm getting more juice out of my interactions than I ever have before. Um, because I'm, I'm understanding this plugging in, I, I'm feeling it all the time. Um, and I'm able to get out of the way of that. Sweet. So I'm, I keep becoming probably my capabilities to connect are improving. And I think that I improved the experience, not only for me, but for, uh, for clients and, and, uh, hopefully for anyone, uh, I'm, I'm really, uh, hell bent on offering, uh, the full experience of Eduardo and taking in who they are. So uh, how, how do we recognize whether we're plugged in? Are we plugged in right now? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, it's one that I'm thinking about a lot because as a one facilitates this as a trainer, I think that uh, like one metaphor that I'm working with a lot is uh, people are familiar with paper cup telephone where you have two paper cups uh, linked together by a string. Mm -hmm. And uh, we instinctively know that when you have that set up, if the string is slack, that it's not going to work. And I think that if you imagine that you're one cup and I'm one cup right now and there's a string between us, that if you're that one cup and you're wanting to know that you're connected to the other, that you have to almost go inside to feel... Is there like a tension there, an energy there? And I think that's what, that's how we can start to know who we are. Because that tension is, I think, most generally spoken of as awkwardness, right? There can be a kind of, right? You feel like, oh, I became aware of something that I wasn't aware of before in myself. I think that's the surest sign you're connected and you've gotten off the it you've gotten out of the you've come to the edge of something right that, that and you can feel that so i so it's a feeling mm -hmm. and i think it requires uh it, it requires putting some attention on it and sort of maintaining uh just like sometimes, like you've been paying attention to the instrumentation in terms of our connection and noticing that the picture went, started breaking up, became pixelated, noticing whatever sound meters you have there, right? Or mm -hmm. you can look at the number of bars on your phone, right? Or, or I think that a common experience that people are having with uh, their phones now, sometimes you lose sense that the other line, the line is still active. So you ask someone, are you still there? It's that kind of a sensibility that uh, shows us if we're connected or not. Yeah, so like right now, I mean, I feel connected to you. I feel uh, uh, both times I've interacted with you, I feel uh, I feel a connection, more of a heart-centered heart connection. Is that the type of connection you're talking about? And I also feel a giddiness with you, with this connection, like, um, like, like the energy just wants to be fun. Totally. Uh, yeah, I think that's, that's like, this is like the creative potential of energy. Energy wants to do something, right? <laughs> yeah. Uh, as you, as you put those words to it, I'm noticing that same thing in me. Uh, that's like, yeah, there's a, something that wants to break loose and express itself. And, um, this is why when I say sometimes I don't know what I'm going to say because it's just like working its way for me. Um, and I've come, I've come quite, um, 
uh, I don't know, addicted to that. <laughs> so would you say that that is, how do you describe that? Uh, I guess the source of that um, is that um, maybe our divine um, knowingness, our divine uh, divine pull, pulling us together in, in hoping that we're going to accept this invitation and uncover something that is going to grow between us? Like, what is it? Wow. Um, I think it's our natural state. And that all this disconnectedness that we experience is what's unnatural. Um, the, the research that I've been doing in terms of the sort of meta-level research to see what the scientists say about this kind of stuff, you know? And uh, in particular, started thinking about that around loneliness. And they talk about how we're, um, our, we're, we're wired, we have prehistoric wiring to connect, to be with each other, because it was, it was part of our survival instinct. Because in prehistoric times, we could not survive uh, on our own. We needed a, a group of people around us to make it up to, to eat and survive the elements. And so we have internal, like internal guidance systems that when we're separate from the herd, uh, it's pulling us back to saying, Hey, hey, dude, you need to, to get back home because you're, you're going to die out here. So I think it's part of our self preservation instinct to connect. Uh, the thing that's different now is that we have such technology available that we can actually isolate, uh, at least, um, we can isolate, uh, physically from each other and still have the technology around us to make it. Um, and we can go to the grocery store and we don't have to know who made the food, right? We have these mechanisms that allow us to that have extended our capacity to, to live alone. And that's, that's only getting easier, right? Those people that can probably through Amazon and such delivery could probably go the rest of their lives without interacting directly with another human. Uh, that's a, probably a pretty, a fairly impoverished existence in my view. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think it's entirely possible, whereas this was not possible uh, 20, 30,000 years ago. Well, and I wonder, like, we talk about the people that might be impoverished in that connection, and I wonder if, you know, maybe, you know, they were brought up in a in a union, in a group that w- wasn't there to help them grow. I, I feel that we can be brought up in the wrong tribe. Maybe our parents are dissuade from, you know, being in the, in their group, in their tribe, and what's authentic to them, and you know what what calls to them, and then maybe that the child is brought up in, in an, an inauthentic group that doesn't nurture that person, and that person no longer knows the possibilities of what it's like to actually connect deeply with somebody, and you know like like yourself when you, you know, took the course and all of a sudden you realized that there was another page on the menu, you know, maybe those people are living a a life where they really honestly haven't got a clue what is so radiantly possible in connecting with this, this energetic um, web of like people. Yeah, I think that's true. Um, I think that we do have a system that's operating that says to connect and that we're seeking to do it all the time and that we don't necessarily, like, we don't know. We've been uh, habituated into seeking it out, seeking some way to quell that instinct or to satisfy it, and those ways aren't the most productive. Um, the... There's some, there's actually some good, uh, good TED talk on this where the guy speaks of, uh, that connection is the cure for addiction. And so addiction is man, is a manifestation. I think I, I find it very credible. Uh, I'm, I'm not a deep scientist in this area yet, but I find it very credible. The idea that we're just, if we have the survival instinct to connect and we're not connecting 
the other humans that we're going to connect with something to try to satisfy that urge. Uh, and that satisfaction may be in the form of, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to mask it, right? I'm going to look for something else to fill that in. And, um, yeah, I think there was a famous, there's a, um, there was a, a scientist who created some kind of a, a I want to say rat, but it might have been mice, uh, park. And he put, um, well, he, he read about an experiment where they gave, they gave mice, uh, access to cocaine. And the mice just, they just, they just ate, they just consumed so much that it basically killed them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then he went back and said, wow, they didn't have any other options. So he created sort of a, a mouse amusement park that had cocaine as an option, but it also had these other things to keep them busy and occupied, including other uh, uh, relationships with other mice. And the addiction, there was not, the mice uh, as a rule did not become addicted. They could take it or leave it. And the same phenomenon was spoken of in terms of when soldiers came back from the Vietnam War to United, the American soldiers returned home, they had been addicted to uh, drugs there. But when they came back to this country, instead of having a wave, a massive level of addiction uh, in the homeland, uh, it did not manifest that way because they had the choice of things that fulfilled them other than uh, the drug that they had available to them in Vietnam. So that has a lot of, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. I feel deep down intuitively that it's right. Um, and because I find that what I crave now is connection and I go get it and there's nothing, I found nothing that substitutes for it. Yeah. How do you, how do you regulate what's an authentic connection and what's not? Like if so, if you're getting into a connection that is maybe a limiting your uh, expansion, limiting your experience. How do you uh, navigate those different uh, relationships? Yeah. Um, I don't like the word authentic because I don't think it's very well defined. Uh, I've come to I've come to grips with it, thinking of this because I believe that we're all we're all authentic, even if we're authentically inauthentic. <laughs> I think we're all trying to, we're all doing the best we can with the tools we have, with what we're aware of and the knowledge that we have. And so, um, so I don't let that, I don't think about the, about the connections that way. Um, I believe that connections are available wherever I go with whomever I'm relating. And, um, through tools such as the, the noticing game, uh, I find that there's a way in everywhere. Uh, that's my belief. Of course, I haven't tried it with everyone, but I believe <laughs> it's true. Um, my experience is that we can connect with anyone and whether or not we think they're authentic or inauthentic, I think those labels will actually probably get in the way. Um, cause you start dividing the world up into authentic and inauthentic people and that doesn't seem to be very useful or profitable way of moving through the world for me. Um, yeah, there are some people that are more challenging to actually, for me to, to find my own grounding and to be with them. They might be triggering in some way. Um, but even noticing that triggering becomes a point of curiosity for me, mm-hmm. a way in, uh, because if I was actually going to be, uh, if I actually was in integrity, I could actually even speak to that. Mm-hmm. Right. I actually was like, oh, I'm feeling triggered by you right now. And I'm wondering what that's around. Are you noticed? What do you notice? Mm-hmm. Right. Bring coming back to the present moment is this amazing lever point for anything and particularly for connection. Because uh, as soon as you say something like that, that to someone, I think they can't help but like be knocked off there. Uh, if they were in some pattern of, of behavior. Mm hmm. And now all of a sudden someone's saying, Oh, I'm noticing that I'm like, I'm being triggered by you. I'm really feeling anxious or right. Mm-hmm. They're going to be like, Whoa, this is a pattern interrupt for them. Yeah. Uh, and so I think that all of a sudden, boom, they're right there with you in a way they weren't before. Brings them, it really brings a person into presence. 
Right. It yeah. creates an offering because I'm offering them something that's probably never been offered to them or it's so frequent, infrequently offered or offered in a way that's not palatable to them. I think this is where their skill comes in being able to do that because uh, everyone is... Uh, I've had, I have a lot of younger guy friends and I used to I tell them, look, every woman on the planet is here to make you a better man. Um, now, I think this is true for humans, too. Every human that's here is here to make you a better human. They're reflecting something back to you that can be valuable to you and if you're open to receiving it and you got something for them too uh buying into that mindset uh yeah really taking a good grip of that um shift was possible and you know it's it's a lot more than just triggers too because i mean even today i mean noticing uh the playful energy between us I mean, just speaking that, we both all of a sudden became radiant in, in that energy and had a big smile, right? Totally. And I, I don't think that we always have to go to, oh, it's a trigger, it's a trigger, or the negative parts of triggers. I mean, there's beautiful triggers. There's triggers in all sorts of ways. I mean, we can be triggered into fucking full-blown love. And oh, yeah. thank you so much for, for showing the for showing the full spectrum of that. Yeah, anything that's alive enough that we touch is that is that button that can open up the connection, the pathway into someone else. It's like, uh, you're you're in a relationship with them, and you know, even if he's not in a relationship, you just share something that you're excited about. Like one of my one of my sort of stock, uh, I'm at a cocktail party or whatever, right? It's like, hey, uh, what are you excited about? That's one of my tricks for avoiding getting into those those traps where I'm struggling to to stay in relationship with someone is I ask because I know that when someone talks about something that's exciting to them that boy that's going to draw me in like that's <laughs> yeah well that's a good one I'm going to have to remember that that's beautiful thank you um, so do you want to um, do you have an exercise like you want to do over the podcast is there something we can we can experience while we're here that uh, listeners can maybe get something from? Um, I think that playing the noticing game, we could do that. Yeah. Um, and, and maybe play and, note, and do it in the context of our conversation. One of the things that I really, that had me create an exercise in the first place is a disappointment that all the other workshops and things that I had attended were workshops. They were exercises. They were these contrivances. And I think those contrivances create this idea that, oh, in order to have this, I have to contrive this. I have to go into this separate. It's, it's like it's, when you go to one of these things, they say, well, when we get back into the real world, we're going to do this, right? Or this is, this is great here, but what do I do when I get back into the real world? And no one really had a good answer to that. And, um, uh, so I would say that we can continue our conversation and practice sharing more about what we're noticing. Or you say something that I can, like, uh, if I don't share the impact of it, then you might ask, well, how did that land with you? Uh, because I can go on, I'll just run with it, but it may be more useful to slow down and say, well, well wow, what did that mean for you? Or um, if that doesn't happen already, I like to think that it's happening automatically, but sometimes I might get, I might run down a rabbit hole because I got a groove in my head that says go down that way all mm -hmm. the time. Like the person that always turns right when they're lost. Yes. <laughs> well, like even my question, like, uh, oh, what are you excited about? That's a, a kind of a groove that in some contexts may not. That <laughs> may not serve, right? Because I'm not really fully paying attention to what's going on, and then I ask that question. And it's like, what the fuck? I'm not excited about jack shit right now, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> but, see, but even in that context, it might serve, right? Because it might jostle to me. <laughs> okay, so you might have to pull me into this because I'm, I'm not sure how to um, be in this game. What what are what are you noticing right now? Um, I'm noticing, like for me, confusion about uh, how to move ahead in clarity. Mm. 
And I'm imagining that that confusion is because you're wanting to deliver value to your audience and to make good use of uh, me to feel like this was a good conversation. Well, <laughs> maybe that's there, but that hadn't been, wasn't something I was actually thinking about or uh -huh. debating. But um, I think the root of it is that I want to really understand you and I really want to understand this process that we're diving into so that mm -hmm. I, can, I can embody it and move forward with it. Mm. Yeah, I'm noticing that you. it seems like you're leaning in towards the screen. Totally, yeah. And, and um, that has me, no, just noticing that, has, I'm, I'm feeling, uh, I'm feeling that that string is tighter. Right? <laughs> yeah. And I'm wanting to, uh, there's a part of me that doesn't even want to speak, it wants to just feel that, right? Because I think that's uncommon. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, I experienced it a fair amount, but it's still generally uncommon to have to feel someone leaning in, to saying, to hearing what, to feeling what's going, to experiencing what's going on. Yeah, and I feel like I noticed that um, your attention, your your eyes are really focused right now, and you're very. Um, yeah, you're laser focused. It seems like all your senses are on this moment. Yeah, so as you say that, I became aware that it was almost like this cottony feeling around me. Like everything else had become like insulation to make this moment more like to, to bring me like more to prevent anything else from being in the way. Yeah, yeah. And what I feel as you say that, it's like all of a sudden my awareness was like, it went into this peripheral, it came from this tunnel zoned um, uh, awareness. And I just popped out into this, oh, I'm in this room. And this room actually exists. I'm not just with Eduardo. And then I was like, oh, <laughs> nope, here I am back with Eduardo. <laughs> Yeah, I'm feeling like uh, I'm giggling now. I feel like my smile, like my my smile is, uh, you know, when you stress a muscle, you feel like you get feel more sensation. Yeah. And my smile has gotten bigger than it normally is. Yeah. And it's like I'm aware of like, oh, I'm like, like this is like yoga smiling. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm feeling the same thing. Yeah, I'm feeling uh, like there's energy running up my body and it's pushing my smile up and I feel like I've... Um, smoke some cannabis or something, and I've just about got a <laughs> permagran. <laughs> and all we're doing is connecting. Yes. Is that, you know, I think this is what's available. This is what I want the world. This is like, this is like my gospel. Like, it's, it's here all the time, guys. You just gotta look, you just gotta access it. Like, this is like the secret to abundance, actually, I think, is that everything is abundant. We just need to learn how to access it. Yeah. We have habits. Actually, we have habits that are preventing us from accessing, getting in the way. So we start breaking those habits down. In fact, I think this is right. Probably if I had to pull it down to a nutshell, if you break any habit you got, you're going to be tapping into all kinds of energy and sensation and right, an experience that you're not accustomed to. Yeah, and I'm noticing right now as you say that, it's just like you have this, it feels like this energy that was just like, ah, that was what I needed to say. And just this relaxing into it. Yeah, as you say that, I'm noticing my feet on the floor, like something just like. Yeah, <laughs> groundedness, yeah. So yeah, habits are so powerful. Uh, they're quite useful. Um, and... They're a double-edged sword, too. So why do you think that mice and men, or mice and humans, have to smoke or take drugs to connect in this way? Because we've not learned how to be in the moment. We have so many 
things that are pulling us away from being in the moment in our culture. Um, I've been thinking a lot about, like, like I make a distinction now between connection and communication that I never, I had never had before. And it's so funny too, because I studied electrical engineering in college. And this, this distinction probably should be like, it's so elemental. Um, but it's lost in the, in the daily living of life. Um, and the distinction is this, that in electrical engineering, they speak or communication theory, they talk about two types of systems, uh, two types of communication, connection oriented communication and connection less communication. So those two types, connection less and connection oriented. Okay. And when I look across <laughs> our world through those two lenses, I see that, oh, we have tons of connectionless communication now because of technology, texting, even, even snail mail, email, um, social media, right? You post something and no one has to be there to get it until they get it. Mm-hmm. We, so we have a, a, a massive proliferation of connectionless communication. And it's very useful, uh, and but we've habituated to it, and because we've habituated to it, it's, it's become dominant in how we do all our communications. Not realizing that we have there's two types, and that we need to selectively choose one type or the other. Some people know this instinctively, but it's not something. I think it's something that needs to be brought to the surface in an explicit way, so that we can. So now we can start creating habits to make up choosing. Hmm. Um, I lost the trick, my thread about why I went down that direction. <laughs> and, I, and, and I was noticing as you, as you were off on that thread, our connection was like, I felt it was pulling apart. Yeah. Yes. And it's probably why I stopped when I did, because I realized that I was like, lost in a way, right? I lost my, it was like my mom was leading me, you know, through a mall with a rope, right? With a string so I wouldn't get lost, right? Mm-hmm. And I felt like, oh, that, that tension had broken and I was floating out in free space kind of thing. <laughs> so thank you for speaking to that. So does uh, it... Yeah, that's very, that's very easy for me to happen. Like, when I'm passionate about something or feel like I'm onto something that the, at least some part of me believes that rest of the world doesn't know, I can run down those little rifts and then I'll, I'll come to a point, oh, what did I do? Someone, <laughs> I can come back. Now, I think we all have our ways of doing that mm-hmm. and that's one way, that's one of mine. Yeah, so what uh, what are you doing? What what kind of offerings are you doing these days to, um, to help people uh, move into this space? Yeah, so... Um, I'm looking right now for different ways. First of all, I believe that everyone needs more connection and that I'm, I've learned ways that can help a lot of people have more connection. Um, but what I've found is that not a lot of people are explicitly shopping for connection. So I'm looking for different ways to package my the knowledge that I have about accessing connection uh, into forms that that people will want to buy or spend time with. I created connector size, name connector size, thinking that, oh, people, I want people to know that the whole point of the exercise is connected. And I think that was a valuable leap forward for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also realizing that people, that I'm competing against everything else they're addicted to. Right? They've got, everyone's got a substitute. Mm-hmm. multiple substitutes for the connection that they, for this kind of connection that I'm trying to sell. So I have a lot of competition and Netflix and, and alcohol and drugs and things are some pretty formidable competitors. <laughs> yeah, um, for sure. So I'm looking for different, so I'm looking for different ways to package it. So in the oneness company right now, I've created, I have the heartbeat division, which is for men and women, kind of a co-ed type thing. And I like the feasting metaphor because it sounds fun and it's a little bit off the beaten path. I think that's going to be one way 
of it's one way I'm trying to get the message out, create more experiences. I definitely believe that creating the experiences are important. Um, I also have, I'm experimenting now with, uh, I have a man feast concept where it's for men connecting. Um, and it's all about feeling more awake and alive, uh, and essentially being more in your body as a man. I think that women have way more position, way more, uh, permission to be in their bodies and to be feeling whatever they're feeling that men do. And men need more, more latitude to do that. So I have man peace, uh, which we've done a couple of small events. Uh, all this is kind of, all these things are kind of in the, I consider them to be in their infancy. Uh, they're almost, because uh, I'm just looking for a way, I'm exploring different avenues of getting this out, and I haven't found the magic formula. Uh, so I have man feast, I have heart feast, and I have this new concept that I'm working on, justice thriving. Because I'm a lawyer, and lawyers, there's all kinds of stuff going on for lawyer wellness right now. Um, and there are people trying to start a movement around lawyer wellness. But I think that lawyers are very much trapped in their heads. And so justice thriving is my, uh, a way of, of creating a package around some exercise that could be powerful for lawyers and could potentially be a wellness product a law firm would purchase. Uh, so I'm in the, in, uh, in fact, tomorrow I'm doing a continuing legal education seminar, uh, called, uh, lawyers thriving. Um, uh, why more human connection is the key and how to get more of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I'm wanting to flag this. And uh, it's slow going because uh, I, I mean, I have a day job that, that's demanding and I got kids that are twins and they're graduating and we got college stuff coming up. So, but I feel this is essential uh, for me to do not only for my own well-being, um, yeah, particularly for my own well-being. It's all selfishly motivated because I want to live in a world where people feel connected and empowered. So I think that's the world that's going to be the best world for all humans. Mm-hmm. Well, as you're saying this, I can feel your energy. Um, it feels like you're an empowered energy when you're speaking this. And it feels like you just really want to uh, empower others to be uh, in this space, same space. And I'm also feeling, as you were saying this, I'm imagining myself using your products and standing in front of a room of lawyers and doing exercises with them and empowering them to feel. Uh, It was pretty interesting to do that imagination while you were speaking. Thank you for saying that. I I just had a little, like, I plucked the hair and my head just kind of jumped up a little bit (laughs) Uh, hearing that. yeah, because I'm a, I, I'm imagining that as justice thriving, if I can get traction with it and figure out the right language to invite people to it, that I will have an army of facilitators around the country and around the world, uh, running groups, wellness groups where the central, the central point will be connecting and, uh, and really connecting without agenda. Uh, that's, I think, is the key piece of this because lawyers are trying to connect. They always have an agenda. I think the agenda, we put the agenda first, it gets in the way of creating the connection. Um, so yeah, I'll be looking for, maybe you'll be one of my first, uh, uh, justice driving facilitators. <laughs> that would be amazing. I just, I'm feeling that energy right now and it would be a huge, um, edge for me to walk, like to walk into a room of all lawyers and actually um, uh, speak speak to my truth and to my passion in, in a room of, uh, I feel like I want to say vultures and, and <laughs> sharks. <laughs> and to be able to stand in that power in that room and have them find their 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 humanness and their their wholeness yes it would be that would be amazing yeah I, yeah i feel my back is waking up and i feel like the currents of energy rolling down you talked about that 
Because I think that, yeah, lawyers are much maligned in a way. Um, and I think in part it's because of this hyper-analytical frame of mind that we tend to take. And I think the doctors are similarly suffer because there's a wellness movement among doctors as well. Mm -hmm. uh, both doctors and lawyers have relatively high suicide rates um, and high burnout and lots of dissatisfaction. I mean, it's very rare that you run into a doctor that says, hey, I'm a recovering doctor, but you do run into recovering lawyers. Yeah. And this is in part because the profession has attracted people that are hyper-analytical, and if you're hyper-analytical, by definition, you're going to be suffering from uh, a lot of disconnection. Uh, if you haven't, if you you didn't have parents that were really good at connecting and inherited some great habits, you're likely to be on the short end of the stick when it comes to that. So I think a lot of lawyers are really suffering around this. Mm -hmm. um, and I really like that idea that empowering. I think of lawyers now as kind of the the white blood cells of the of the body politic, and if lawyers are are sucking wind in their wellness, then we've got big problems with justice. Mm -hmm. And I think so we do. We do. Yeah. And I think that the only way that we're going to correct it is to really seriously empower lawyers. Uh, and I think we have big power problems with healthcare too. I think that's because doctors need more connection too, and they're suffering. Mm -hmm. And they're in there in this. And maybe it's no strange. It's probably this case for all these professions where there's this there's this um, premium giving on objectivity, and that just that just facilitates more. That just encourages more and more separation and aloofness, mm -hmm. um, and estrangement from where our true power lies. You know, perhaps. I mean, it all lies in profitability, right? So. I mean, I think a lot of these doctors, lawyers, salespeople, their drive forward and their drive to communicate is rooted in profitability, that that creates disconnection. And if what if connection created profitability? What if? Yeah, I think it does. Yeah. I mean, I mean, one of the things that sacrosanct in the in the in the practice of law is attorney-client relationship in maintaining confidentiality and you know, never putting the client, your interest ahead of the client. All this is embedded in it. There's so many, there's so many places where it's there, but there's not a deeper understanding of the, of the value. I mean, some lawyers are doing it instinctively and know it mm -hmm. and in certain practice areas. It's probably much more prevalent. Like I don't, I, I went through a divorce, so I had some experience being with um, family law, family law lawyers. Um, but not, an, I suspect that group could have a higher concentration of uh, connection-oriented uh, professionals, and there are probably some doctors uh, that have that too. But the profession, uh, they're probably the outliers in their profession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that, like, I'm a patent lawyer, and uh, it felt like I was fish out of water uh, for most of my career. Um, and I didn't quite know that as clear as I do now, but I do see that my whole mindset and my whole way of being is generally, it, most people are really surprised when they find that I'm even a lawyer. Um, because I don't, uh, I don't have the, uh, the way of being that they come to associate with, uh, with lawyers. Yeah, that, that shark energy or whatever it is, yeah, you definitely don't have that. Um, yeah, you have a nurturing, uh, joyful energy, I feel. So, yeah, thank you for that. Thank you. So here we come to the end of our podcast. Uh, and it's been amazing. It's been fun, um, rewarding. And I'm very uh, grateful. I'm grateful that I jumped into the eye gazing room and uh, jumped into your your uh, noticing exercise. It was, yeah. And here we are today. Yeah, I'm grateful you were there and that you were really uh, inspired enough by your experience to 
say, hey, uh, I do a podcast. Would you be interested in, yeah. in, in potentially coming on? Um, there's a lot about you that's really intriguing to me because I know you do some some, uh, you're some type of tantric coach or facilitator. Yeah. Uh, that's very interesting to me. I think Tantra has probably has a lot to speak about being here and feasting on the moment and your experience and, mm-hmm. and taking it all in, uh, which is which is what I'm ultimately here for. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, as uh, sometimes I think about the fact that it's Tantra and I'm like, that's a label for, you know, being, for experiencing all that is available in radi- in, the, in, in the purest uh, radiant form that is there and feel, feeling and experiencing the moments of grace between an, one person and another person or one person and a plant or one person in the universe. You know, it's just a process of being fucking real and alive. Yeah, that's that's what I'm shopping for now. And I'm loving the idea of being in, in greater community with people that are committed to that in their own lives. Um, because I know that helps me. And it's just it's just way more fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm big into tango now and one reason that I'm loving tango so much is that it seems to embody the whole thing of it is about that being in the moment, being connected to someone, uh, what I call my, my three C's for thriving connection, uh, celebration and creativity. Um, that's all there in the tango. And this is like, I, um, I want tango to spread around the world because I think if tango's, I think I'm practicing tango. I'm bringing tango everywhere. <laughs> No matter if you're in a grocery store or talking with someone, there's tango available. Sweet. <laughs> I can't wait to see some videos of you doing tango. Uh, yeah, I'm. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's just like it's the best thing, and I'm. Uh, I'm still a relative newbie, and I'm so excited for for how much it's made available to me. Pop up grocery store tango. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That'd be fun. Okay, man. Thanks for uh, tuning in, dropping in, and uh, I, I think we got. I think we'll, we're going to connect lots more again soon. So. Yeah, I hope so. I really, I, I'm really inspired that you were that you were inspired by potentially standing in front of a group of lawyers, bringing the goods. Dude, I'm in. <laughs> I'm in. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Uh, so, how can people get a hold of you, Eduardo? So, um, my email is eduardo at the oneness company.com. Uh, so anyone can, can shoot me an email there. Uh, if you want to just stay in touch with some of the things I'm offering on the Facebook groups, um, is a way to do that. Uh, Heart Feast, uh, it's a group that I want to grow and it's all about human thriving and sharing content there. Um, I'm up to about 200 or so people and I'm looking to grow that mm-hmm. um, and I will be the other offerings will be funneled through there um, and I do have the onenesscompany.com website and uh, it's um, since I'm still a one man show it's a little uh, um, it's a little thin but that will be a way to uh, I can collect your email address there and and eventually I'll have a regular newsletter. And people can just friend me too, right out on, on Facebook, Eduardo Drake. Uh, uh, I do look and see who's asking to be a friend, and usually I say yes. Uh, and um, so that's another way to stay connected to me and to provide me. I need energy and inspiration and support and encouragement. It's hard to do stuff in the world and not have someone reflect back that, hey, yeah, that's good. That impacts me in a positive way. Uh, I need that uh, sense that I'm doing something that's having an impact um, so that I can keep going. Yeah. One of the pieces for me is that a lot of the work out there seems to be so serious. Um, and I and I found that you, your stuff was playful and it still uh, allowed me to experience the same result. So that was nice. Yeah. 
And so, yeah, I think that I think we can have a lot of fun doing this. Yeah. If we're not having fun doing it, it's like you're not going to attract a lot of people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. Thanks, man. Thank you so much. This podcast is Expansion Cast. Thank you for listening.